0: Wonderful song service. God bless everybody here today. I must say, after studying the sermon out and just reflecting this week on what today stands for, it's made me very humble, broken, tearful, sorry for that I haven't been more patriotic and more loving of what this country has given me. But it's never too late to be growing, just to share where I've been this last week as I've gone through this. which will open up to Galatians chapter 6. He rescued us. I want to do a teaching that's appropriate with uh, Independence Day as Christians. I will get back to Habakkuk, so please bear with me. I thought this was important, considering the country is celebrating the 4th of July, its independence. I will read Galatians 1, verses 1 to 6. Excuse me. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and to all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our verse tonight who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you so very much that you have delivered us, you rescued us, as some translations tell us, Father God, that... Jesus came here on a black ops operation to save his own. And he did it perfectly, marvelously, graciously, voluntarily for us, Father God. And he is bringing us into the kingdom of light, Father God. And we know that to be very, very sure, God. We, we, We understand freedom. We know what it is to be delivered from the hand of Satan, the fear of death, and the power of sin. So, Father God, let us just grasp what Paul is writing here today afresh. I pray that every Christian man and woman in this room that can hear my voice has a fresh perspective on their personal deliverance and rescue by the Son of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He rescued us. Independence Day is a day of remembrance. We know that. We might not do it all that well. For many years, I didn't give it too much thought. It was more of a party time. It was a paid vacation to go out and get drunk, it up, have a day off, sleep in late. Some sort of acknowledgement that there was a war that was won and independence and so on and so forth. But the truth of the matter is probably for at least 30 years of my life, I didn't give it much thought. Growing over the last 25 years, I see more and more and more the price that's paid for freedom, specifically our freedom. A day when we reflect on what happened in 1776, when the Constitution was officially signed and put in place and the 13 American colonies became the United States of America. Not just 13 separate colonies, but one unified America. 13 colonies that fought and won a war against one of the world's greatest armies, the English army. Tyranny had to end, and it did. And today we celebrate the significant day with celebrations all over the United States. We have parties, we have uh, firecrackers and everything else. I'll eat some frankfurters later. (laughs) Hamburgers. we celebrate. Don't we celebrate? Somehow or another we celebrate. It calls for a celebration. But few really understand or grasp the importance war as bad as it is and it is, has brought far more peace and liberty than people realize. And we're here because of it. There's no question about it. America came here for religious freedom, Puritans came, they fleed persecution, England came and chased us down, we fought against them, we fought against the tyranny, and we are here today in many other wars, of course World War One, World War II, and others, other battles, but we are here because other people paid the price, there's no question about it, we cannot deny that, we cannot deny that. We cannot forget history. But Christ has done something. Christ has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. He delivered us. Some translations use this word, and it's used also in the New Testament. He rescued us, and I like that. He rescued us. And we're going to talk about the personal touch behind this word rescue today. And it really is, as I prayed earlier, it, it is a picture of a black ops operation. Of Christ coming in and saving his own. It's like the Navy SEALs doing a hot extraction. When they were going to a foreign territory. And they were deliver or rescue or extract. An American held captive. And nothing will stop them until mission is what? They risk life and limb and everything. For the sake of one American. The movie uh, Common Valor really caught this, really, really captured this. They used live ammunition. They used live, they used actually real Navy SEALs in, in, in the movie. It was great. But it really captured the seriousness of it in this, the dignity of it. But this is exactly what Christ did. Exactly. This is what our text is teaching us. And I want nobody to miss this. Christ came into a hostile land to deliver from hostile enemies, to go into a hot extraction and to save his own. Satan, as clever as he is, did not fully understand what was happening when that child was born. He knew God was up to something. He tried to kill the child through Herod, but he could not. He tried to get him into temptation in the wilderness, but he could not. And remember something about the temptation when he tempted the man, Christ Jesus, in the wilderness. Satan has never lost the battle of temptation, ever. He took down Adam, he took down Eve, he's taken down every man that ever walked this planet. Every man, woman, child has never stood up against the temptations of Satan, except the Christ. Something happened on that day in the wilderness where Satan knew that the strong man was bound up. As Jesus says, how can we steal the strong man's goods if you don't first bind up the strong man? Many theologians believe it was in the desert that he started binding up the strong man. When he took every temptation that has taken down men before him to be great Christ beat him down. But yet Satan really, really believed he won something great when the Son of God offered up his spirit and he laid in the tomb for three days and he thought, now I got him. Little did he know it was on that day that he fell like thunder from heaven. It was over resurrection day. Christ lives, and as we sing all the time, so can we. Mission accomplished. It's accomplished. Paul, in our epistle today, is dealing with a similar circumstance. The Galatians, like many Americans today, who don't know the significance of independence and take it for granted, they don't understand that, that it was paid for. Paid for by people we don't even know. and for many years it could lose its power and reverence and gratitude it did in my heart because I never really considered it but many Christians can live their whole Christian life and really never have this sweet contemplation of what Christ accomplished personally for you and I'm, I'm going to use that word personally a lot today by name he knew you when he went to the cross don't forget that By name, by face, by your deeds, your words, your actions, there is nothing Christ did not know when he went to the cross for us. But we can forget, as Americans we can forget, that America, the nation and its values, that's democracy. Was fought for by determined men and women fighting against evil, fighting against tyranny, as Patrick Henry cried out, Give me liberty or give me death, it was the unifying element that brought Virginia into into agreement with the other colonies to fight against Britain. And they fought and they won. Same today with Christianity. We forget what Christ has done, as the Galatians did. The Galatians forgot. Why are you so quickly? Deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ. He rescued you. Are you deserting him now? If we forget what Christ has done, we too will become indifferent to think that our freedom was paid for by someone else's sacrifice. A lack of reverence can come in. Ingratitude will set in. And without knowing it, we could open up ourselves to being enslaved again. Like Patrick Henry cried out, Paul cried out, he says, It is for freedom that Christ Jesus set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We take it for granted. We we think, I'm saved. I went to church. It's okay, right? No one's going to... I'm not going to fall back into sin again. Satan has no rule over me. I'll I'll just make it by. I'll just get by. And history repeats itself. Historically, the Galatians were forgetting what Christ had done, pure and simple. And the great freedom and the joy that he rescued them for, and he gave to them by simple childlike faith in his crosswork at Calvary. They were rescued from darkness and the power of sin and Satan. They were brought into the kingdom of light. They were deserting him now for some strange gospel. They were starting to follow some kind of strange teaching, this teaching. This mixture of Jewish law and circumcision and faith in Christ. Paul calls it a desertion. It's Jesus and nothing. They have learned that salvation and all its blessing peace with God, justification, the Holy Spirit, the joy, the hope, the moral strength, the moral power to live with dignity as men and women created in the image of God. Is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Amen. There's nothing in there for law, rules, regulations, inventions, opinions—nothing. But they all forget it. So Paul writes his letter, and he writes in just verse four. We have four, maybe five significant, and I'll get to them. Truths. That we, we, be, we be well to adhere to and not forget. We need to seal it in our hearts and our minds. And please, these four truths are eternal truths. And will glorify God forever for them. They never get old It's not place, it's not antiquated religion. It is the heart of eternal worship when we give God praise to his glorious grace forever. He died for our sins. We need to seal it in our hearts seal in our minds, to ward off any antagonist who propose any other teaching contrary to Paul's gospel that saved us. And it's out there. If I can tell you what me and John went through this weekend listening to people I love, caught up in strange strange doctrine. And it sounds clever. And it sounds liberating. And it sounds invigorating. It sounds like you're on the cutting edge It's fool's gold. It's fool's gold. Simple childlike faith and a simple devotion to Jesus Christ while we live on earth, being sanctified by grace until we go home and be with him, that is a powerful life. That's true freedom. I want to speak about four, maybe five. See if I get the first one. The first one in verse four says he gave himself. Remember, Paul is bringing back the Galatians from this strange teaching of a mixture of law and grace. To the gospel he first preached to them the gospel that saved them the gospel that took them out of darkness and into light, the gospel that gave them hope they did nothing, they went to the market one day, there's a strange Jewish philosopher in the corner of the market he's preaching about this dead man that was raised again for their sins and and for their justification and they heard and they believed and they received the spirit of God they received redemption just by hearing the message they did nothing but show up one day and buy their bread And get saved. That's what happened. So powerful was that this church, they thought the gods had come down. They thought Zeus came down and they ran out and they started worshiping Paul and Barnabas. Sacrificing to them. That's how powerful it was. They got saved. There was healings. Paul went, preached somewhere else. Other people came in and said, don 't listen to paul he 's not an apostle and they started deserting the true gospel they've forgotten Paul before he gets into his letter, he reminds them of this first truth of the gospel he gave himself. Paul reminds his readers of the self. Voluntary sacrifice of Christ. This loving act of voluntary element can never ever be forgotten because it highlights God's whole attitude towards them and towards us today. It is the work of God. Triune in its efforts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Selfless in its approach and perfect in its accomplishment. He gave himself. No one ordered him. No one told him. He took The cross upon himself to pay the penalty of sin. And they received that, and now they were deserting it. They were forgetting the raw power in that one statement. He gave himself. No one takes my life, he said. I lay it down on my own accord. And I also take it up. The Galatians needed to go back again and be fixated on this one truth. He gave himself this personal touch. I ask you today, do you contemplate, do you realize the personal touch of Christ? Are you still in the, in the, in the mindset that Christ came and died for us? Which he did. Are you thinking it in some sort of uh, just a corporate that Christ came and died for this 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 group of faceless people? No. When Christ gave Himself, He knew He was going personally for the Galatians themselves, and you and me. They needed to fixate themselves on this truth again. It would naturally elevate their affections towards Christ and elevate their contemplation, the sweet contemplation of Christ and his selfless love. You see, law-keeping, a works-righteousness people are busy doing things, trying to stay one head, one step ahead of the law, trying to outrun the commands of the law. But grace keeps people busy thinking about their dying Savior who selflessly gave himself. That term, that truth is what changes a sinner from the inside out. He gave himself all the law keeping. You can run. You can try all you want. It's amazing how God, he always sends people my way. I'm here. I'm meditating on this. I'm into it. I'm into it. And my neighbor, who I like, a nice man, Hindu man, stops me in the corner and he starts talking to me about living in the center. <laughs> He's living in the center, and he pictures life as a spiral. And on one side is the good, and on one side is the evil. And, and how you have to keep, it's like waves going around. By now, I'm lost. But I'm being nice. He's a nice gentleman. He is a nice guy. And, and, and I said, so how are you doing in there? He goes, that's the thing. He's, you got to get to the center. I said, how are you doing? He didn't have an answer for that. I guess he was doing okay. But here's the point. He's trying to keep himself where in the center all I got to do is say Jesus thank you you're my center you're my everything I just you finished the work at Calvary you gave yourself for Brian Martin for those rotten stinking sin of those horrible teenage years every stinking solitary one of them Every sin, everything I'm ashamed of, all the guilt attached to it. I tried to run it away. I tried to drink it away. I tried to smoke it away. I, just, I didn't ever want to think about it. And through one act of childlike faith in the Son who gave Himself for me, erased, gone forever. Hallelujah. I don't have to keep myself in a state of suspended animation, trying to work myself and keep myself in some kind of happy place. I can be sad now and still praise God. As <laughs> a matter of fact, I can have a, a miserable day and still praise God. I don't have to say, I blew it. I'm trying to juggle myself into the center. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> Many Christians are trying to maintain their relationship with God through religious gymnastics. They're trying to do things instead of just saying, every day preach the gospel to yourself and say this, he gave himself That's it, until you go home. Don't try to figure it out why he keeps on forgiving you over the same sins constantly. Just remind yourself, he gave himself. Because that has the intrinsic power to change you from the inside out. Without trying to do anything. The Galatians were formed for this circumcision and these Jewish laws to try to keep themselves in the love of God. Try to find themselves in a right relationship with God. And Paul says you're deserting him for a different gospel. Remember, he's saying the first and foremost truth, he gave himself. not just that he gave himself for our sins once and for all law keeping can never forgive nor does law keeping forget the law does not forget every transgression the law doesn't forget every sin the law doesn't deliver from guilt the law doesn't deliver from shame and it doesn't give you moral power the law says run But it gives you no legs? It says do, but it doesn't lift a finger. But Christ personally shed his blood voluntarily for Brian Martin. If I was the only sinner and I only had three sins, he would have done it. If I had one sin, he would have done it. If I had a trillion sins, he would have done it. And please understand something. When Christ went to the cross, we are of the persuasion that he knew every personal sin and transgression that was going through his holy body on that day. Don't think for one moment it was just sort of painful. He had to live the horror of my personal sin. Every single one. In thought in deed, in work, action, intention. You might not think you don't understand the power of this, but when you understand this truth, no matter how clever they are, When they come dressed up and try to speak to us about some way of getting right with God, I simply tell my Muslim friend listen, I'm rotten on the inside. Don't you understand? I need grace. Only grace would do for my sin. (coughs) That's it. This is the very personal aspect of Christ being pierced for our iniquities, being chastised for our peace. I want you to really think that Christ personally understood every sin he died for on your behalf. Even the day of atonement when the, when, the, when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. It was for the sins of omission, the ones they didn't even know about. It was to cover the ones they don't even know about. But guess who knew about them? Jehovah God knows everyone. Omission, commission, he knows them all. And just because we don't know it, Doesn't mean he doesn't. And when Christ went to the cross, he suffered and died for more than you and I will ever know for our personal sin debt. And not just that, for all its second causes and all the trouble it caused in the world. Sin is the gift that keeps on giving. Witnessing to a young man going through a tough time in his life and he wanted what we had his aunt had invited him into a church Baptist church, very happy place and he would go there because it made him feel happy and so he he, I could see him striving to try to enter going through a tough time in his life but he gave up so I had to tell him, I said listen said you came for the wrong reason. See those people happy? Do you know why they're happy? They're not happy because they came to God to be happy. They were rescued from their sin and the wrath of God. That's why they're happy. They weren't happy because they wanted to get away from a trouble in their life or run away from some consequences in their life. That might have got them into the church, but they stayed because their sins are forgiven when they found out that Jesus gave himself for them, and that's why they're happy. And not just he gave himself for our sins, but to deliver us from this present evil age. This black ops operation that Jesus did for us, this hot extraction. He came and clothed in human likeness. He lived under the law. He submitted to the law's demands. He never broke one law. He even Even under the temptations of Satan, he never gave in once. He beat down Satan. He beat down sin. He overcame our greatest enemy, the grave. And he delivered us into eternal life with eternal hope and eternal peace. Neither Satan nor this evil world system we live in can snatch us out of his hands. The law cannot give. The law cannot keep us. And he's also renewing our minds. So now listen, we see the truth. When we think of deliverance, many of us will think, well, I don't drink anymore. I'm not a, I'm not a sex." Uh, a whoremonger anymore. Uh, I'm not this anymore. And we think of the moral issues, but many of us don't realize that we're not just delivered from our sexual sins and our drugs and our addictions. Understand something. We have been delivered from intellectual darkness. Do you not know? If it wasn't for Christ, the light of the world, and for truth, we might be saying, oh yeah, maybe, maybe he is a woman. Maybe... Maybe they are confused. Maybe, maybe they were born that way. We be saying that because we be in the darkness. No, they still need to be rescued. The world thinks that way because they're not rescued yet. They're still in the darkness so they think like darkness. And the dark is getting darker and darker and darker. To think that I entertained the thought that this all happened... <laughs> And out of mass chaos came an ordered universe where the sun is tilted perfectly on its axis 90 million miles away from this giant star and it's rotating in a way that life can just randomly happen. Could you imagine living and dying with that thought? Could you imagine? I, I tell all my atheist friends, what do you think about at 2 in the morning when you wake up and your conscience is gnawing? I bet them right away. You can't get away from that. And your conscience is just speaking to you. I, I, I say, does evolution really bring you peace? It's a bit of a caricature, but it's true. I wake up and I feel the burden of life and I just, I told Terry, I woke up wide awake 3 o'clock in the morning but she already was wide awake in the living room so I couldn't go out there so I said Lord I love you and I just sit there and I told him how much I loved him I don't know maybe 5 minutes maybe 20 minutes and next thing I know I woke up at 6 o'clock because he delivered us from this intellectual bondage to science as it's that it's, it's God itself intellectual deliverance that now I know there's absolute truth. I don't have to roam around. You know what the world is doing today? The world is doing specifically American. What they're doing, the same thing Pilate said. What is truth? Like some air of arrogance, some, some sophisticated elitism. what is truth. Like some kind of, you know, it's, it's so ethereal, it's so out there, there's, there's no such concept. God delivered us from that. That even though I failed the truth, I praise God that I know it. I know it. And though I can't live up to it all the time perfectly, I'd rather know the truth and fail than not to have known the truth at all. Go to a God of mercy and grace. An ultimate reality. People think we just sing about heaven. Oh, my friends and... The Holy Spirit's not... The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of eternal life. The guarantee and the promise, the seal of a resurrected body. I don't come over here with a deep conviction because, well, it sounds good, it's better than every other religious book. I come here because the Spirit of God screams at me. That which is earthly cannot inherit the heavenly... And what is sown in weakness will be raised in power. And God saved us from something else a false image of manhood and womanhood. The world's running around, they don't know man and woman, they have no idea. And I'm not just talking about the transgender. Playing golf with a friend the other day. I was clear to my heart. It was like, oh yeah, but the wife and the kid—they're in. They went to Europe, and I'm a seven-year-old child, and all you're concerned about is golfing and drinking. I have no idea that the world puts forth this weak, impotent image of a man—a man sort of like. Bound to lust and to greed and just having a good time. And if you're not, you're not a man. I thought that. that, That's what a man is. That's not what a man is. A man shows up and loves his family. A man shows up, takes care of his wife. A man shows up and praises his God. A man shows up and lives for his Christ. That's what a man does. And a woman doesn't run around with an ax to grind against every man. A woman recognizes that a man also is created in the image of God. And a wife would know that a man carries with him a weight of responsibility so high that God had to create a woman for him to fulfill his role. Women need to capture that. Women need to capture that truth. Man is incomplete without women. A church is incomplete without women. Complimenting one another. Caring for one another. Co-laboring with one another. Honoring and respecting and loving one another. The world has it wrong. Yeah. Let not the church miss. Right. Amen. Let Amen. the church not miss. Amen. God delivered us from that. That's the present evil darkness. And if you don't think that's good enough, he's also saved us from the curse of the law. Do you not know that the law is binding on every human being that lives, that cuts the womb, is obligated to keep the law written in the Old Testament, whether they know it or not? Do you not know that that's going to be the very evidence, the book that comes in and condemns them at the end? When they think their good deeds are going to save them, they're going to find out their good deeds were nothing but filthy rags. Of course, Moses said so. Moses is going to condemn them. Not Christ, doesn't have to. Moses already condemned the world. The law came to show us sin and our need of a savior. Christ has rescued us. He's freed us from this attempt of perfect law keeping. This attempt to keep us in the middle. He's freed us from guilt and shame and self-righteousness and and the pride attitude that, that comes from thinking you're keeping the works of the law. If it's not pointing to failure, it's pointing to pride and arrogance. The New Testament shows the law to be an oppression, a burden too heavy to carry. Jesus says, take my yoke I'll show you how to fulfill the commandments by loving the command giver. Love him and you'll keep these. But if you're not loving him, it's a burden too heavy to carry. Too heavy. I'll show you how I kept the law perfectly because I came to do the will of him who sent me and to see it through. Law is a tyrant, dictator that screams at us without helping us at all. The whole human race doesn't realize it's under its demands, and so will we. But Jesus delivered us. He rescued us. He extracted us from law keeping and brought us into the kingdom of truth, freedom. We're sons and daughters now. We are not slaves to. Anything. Anything. And this is a privilege prayed for by Christ, not by human reason or human endeavor or human effort. According to the will of God our Father. Fourth, the origin of our deliverance, this extraction, this rescue by Christ lie in the heart and the mind of God the Father, period. his will was to bring home the prodigals take the orphan and give him a family his will was that the son would seek us out and pay for every transgression of the breaking of the law all to the will of God and if God willed it it will be done no one thrusts. God's will. No one trumps God's will. In the last one, verse 5, all to his glory, amen. See something to Paul, the summing up of human history, of entering into eternal life, was all to the glory of God's Praise, His grace. Paul sees the whole thing as paid for by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That throughout eternity, from new bodies, new minds, new hearts, and a new heaven and a new earth, a new relationship with God. Understand something. Forever, forever, and ever, and ever, we'll be motivated by an attitude towards God's glorious grace understand something about heaven as we close there will be no human boasting no human interruption no pride, no arrogance everybody will be in a perpetual state of eternal awe yes. for what Christ did at the cross when he gave himself and that's why I started the sermon off that way eternally, when we get together and we sin we do it imperfectly now We do. I want you to know something. Someone gave me a great illustration of the church. He saw, uh, we were on the beach and it was this great herd, I don't know what you call it, geese. Geese were everywhere, quacking, bumping each other, pooping all over the place. It was just a noisy, stinking mess. And he goes, that's the church right now. But then you see them take off. And it's magnificent. And it's like, that's what they're made for. And that was a great illustration of the church, Chris. It looks like we're just bumping into each other, quacking at each other, pooping all over the place. But God sees us a little different than that, amen? amen? One day we'll fly in harmony and symphony with each other, all to his glorious praise. Let's thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you, God, for everything Christ has done, Father God. And, you know, only eternity could ever do justice. Father, we know that, everyone in this room, that only eternity can in our face to face relationship with you, in a body that cannot decay, it cannot sin, it cannot harbor pain. Only from that perspective, God, will we begin to understand He gave Himself. Thank you. This is our great emancipation. And Father God, I just pray for this great America. God, forgive all the foolish leadership we have seen, God. Strengthen your church at these times, Lord God. We are the vehicle. I'm not asking you to change this or change that. God, I don't want to get into the particulars. I'm asking you raise up the church raise up the church start saving sinners from the White House all the way down Father God from the government official to the local official Father God I just pray that you start doing what you do best save sinners from their sins Father God and we do ask that you put a hedge of protection around all our armed forces Father God Put a hedge of protection around all our firemen, all our policemen, the National Guard, our borders, Father God. Put a hedge of protection around the stupidity of some leaders, God, that just open up our, that ruin the sovereignty of America, Father. God, in judgment, remember mercy, Father. Do something great, God. And as a church, as Christian men and women, I pray that we never forget the most important thing. To our existence, he gave himself. In Jesus' name.